I have a TikTok account. Dave does not. It's time we get Dave on. The I, w- I had one and then I got rid of it. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, ah, this isn't for me. But someday I'll rethink it. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. Interviews and insight from this week in Cougar Sports. Every Saturday, only on BYU Radio. To lead off, here's the double coverage interview of the week. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation, live from Studio B. Jerem Jordan. Why do you look so much taller than me? Should I just sit up properly? It's not helping. It's genetics. <laughs> uh, today, the Mandalorian comes out. We're stoked. And I know Greg's son is particularly stoked. Greg Rebell is on the show. Hey. The Mandalorian comes out today. It's a big deal in your that. household. Maybe not. For you, but for the household, right? Yeah, I'm all X-wings and Tie Fighters. That that, that that's my <laughs> okay, era. Okay. So you know, Get after after that, it's it's you know, kind of just Ewoks. In your <laughs> house. Okay, we are in March. I don't know if you realize that. Um, March As of is, today, the March eyes? is a beautiful month. Yes, thank you. It's a beautiful month, and you, you can kind of feel it in the air because uh, hey, we're headed to Vegas for some basketball, baby. It's going to be a fun week. And soon, uh, as in next year, we'll be headed to Kansas City. So a change of pace next year. But, uh, yeah, the 12th and final WCC tournament uh, for BYU. Let's go, baby. I, it's, it's funny that it's already here. I mean, at the beginning of the year, you're like, oh, it's gonna, the season and all, everything that's, that's ahead of us, and then it's right here before you know it. And you have all the ups and downs of, of everything that goes through. What did you see in Saturday's win that you think or you believe is sustainable this week in Vegas to see what BYU can do? Point guard play. You know, in, in playoff hockey, we always talk about the hot goalie. You can ride a hot goalie to the Stanley Cup. And I think, I think you can ride a hot point guard in postseason basketball. Mm. I think Rudy's that guy right now. Uh, getting him back in the starting lineup, uh, he was already playing well. I think he's double figures his last seven games. His shooting number is really reliable. Uh, gets to the basket a lot. I mean, a, a point guard who can get fouled and make his free throws at his rate is super valuable. Um, the seven assists and one turnover, you keep that trend going. I think he's the hot goalie for BYU right now is Rudy Williams. That's should, sustainable. Should he start on Friday? I, I'd roll him out. Why not? I yeah. would, too. He yeah. acted like on Monday, no, I'd prefer to come off the bench again. Yeah, I, you know, at this point, how many games do you have left? Uh, you, you know, maybe and, one, like you have to so show up. I, right? I, yeah. I go with the hot hand and, and I think it's more than a, it can be more than a senior night gesture to put Rudy out there and just keep, again, they won with him in, played well, BYU played one of his best games of the season, arguably, uh, roll him out. That's what I mean. Hey, that's just me, but roll him out. Yeah. Outside of winning the tournament, we're talking about postseason here. Obviously you win the tournament, you're in the NCAA tournament for, for BYU to have any postseason, whatever it is, NIT, whatever. What's, what does that look like? What gets BYU into postseason play? Well, I, I think getting, getting to Tuesday could put you in that, in that NIT mix. I mean, they're already kind of in the periphery of the NIT, but there are a lot of good teams that are going to make the NIT. And we haven't gotten into conference tournament time yet where obviously bids get you know, eaten up there. But I, I think if they got themselves to 20 wins with a win over St. Mary's, um, I think you're, you're, you're in the picture, right? Uh, if you take a look at, at last year's um, you know, the, the five lowest rated teams to get in the NIT last year. BYU is right in that ballpark, right in that window. Uh, today's Ken Palm is 77, the Nets 89. If you won three games in Vegas, you're probably looking at a top 75 net, arguably, right around there. And I think that puts you kind of in the mix for the NIT. Um, so I, I think getting the Tuesday would probably do or could do it for BYU, if not a guarantee. Uh, I think anything short of, of Tuesday, they, there might be too many teams between BYU and that NIT field. 
realizing this is the last year that this will even be a conversation, but you, you touched on something that I, I had kind of forgotten about. And it, it's sort of- X-Wings and TIE Fighters? Not X-Wings oh. and TIE Fighters. They're always, always at top online. of mind with <laughs> yeah. that. Um, but this will be the last year where BYU has this early conference tournament and to where whatever you do, good or bad, it, it's not necessarily forgotten, but sort of lost in the shuffle with everybody else starting a week later. Mm-hmm. How, much, how much more do you think that will benefit BYU? And it's going to benefit everybody. But going from the situation they're in to playing a week later, and if you can have one of those runs, having it be more top of mind, yeah. how much do you think that will help moving forward? I, I think you always feel more top of mind when you get into that selection week of play. Uh, the games seem to matter more to more people at that time. And, and BYU will be needing to go on runs in, in the Big 12. It'll be harder to get on a roll and yeah. go on a run in that league, certainly. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I'll, I'll be curious to see what the Big 12 tournament format will look like with a 14-team with a 14-team makeup, yeah. who plays when, and, and how many games you have to win to, right. you know, to find yourself in the real mix of, of postseason play there. Yeah, there's some like the Big Ten will go. You know, f- they play four, six, four is kind of their thing. So yeah. we'll see if, you know, when BYU is showing up and how long they're there and what it looks like on the women's side. It'll be very interesting. Yeah. As for the WCC, though, I mean, BYU's never been out before the quarters. Of course, they've only had one opportunity to be out when that was last year, and they won their second round game. And, and they're rarely out before the semis. And so. You know, historically, BYU has been a Monday team at the very least uh, for them. I think eight of 11 tournaments they've played on the Monday. And, and so winning two games, putting you on a Monday, I think that's already a, 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 a symbol of success. Getting to Monday night, you've already beaten a higher-seeded team if you get there. And then you already know that you can play with St. Mary's. You, you had two great games against them. For that matter, you know you can play against Gonzaga. I had two games that could have won there even. So that's what I think makes this, this year's tournament particularly fascinating for BYU is even the ones and twos are teams BYU played with this year and, and felt that they had as good a chance to win them as the opponent. BYU got the best possible situation, it feels like, given who's there. Yeah. San Diego, Portland. You played once, you won both. You and not split. only that, historically, Coach Pope's never lost to San Diego or Portland. There you go. And he's 7-1 against LMU. The one loss came in L.A. a couple months ago. So you're 17-1 and one against the pre-Monday opponents. Historically. This is beautiful. Yeah. And the last game. And then also, too, not to cut you, but, the, but the composition of the teams on the other side, I, I think BYU feels, especially in the backcourt, they, they maybe got the teams they quote-unquote wanted as opposed to what's on the other side. Now, that's a million all, percent. Yeah. No, I, I agree. Like, you, the last time BYU played LMU at home, at home BYU against LMU was incredible, like they were yeah. against San Francisco. Yeah. And so BYU can get to Monday. And if they get to Monday, I think it's like, okay, this team at least got to where we were hoping. And then just see what happens against St. Mary's. And if I have St. Mary's, I do not want to see BYU rolling in on a – into Monday on a two-game win streak on that court I haven't played on yet. Yeah, BYU's on a heater, and St. Mary's is playing for the first time. BYU's been in that position, too, and those first games are always kind of wonky. Yes. Uh, and the, the teams on BYU's side of the bracket, just looking at the top side of the bracket, when they won, they won big. And when they lost, they barely lost. So, they I, I, again, I think they feel like they're on the right side. Mm-hmm. Now they have to just go out and, and I love and it. it. Yeah. I'm excited. Yeah. And, and, obviously, being on Friday, ideally you don't play on Friday. There may, may be some benefit for this team to do that because – they might need a little run-up. Yes, they just won convincing Saturday. Um, they, they sort of needed these stakes to rise up. We've seen BYU rise up a couple times. Mm-hmm. Now it's a time. Well, and where you're now not doing it. anything on Sunday, you get an extra game, and maybe that sort of takes the place of what you would have done yep. had, had you been a, a team that participated on doing things on Sunday. Yep. So it certainly helps. So in the, we were talking earlier um, about, uh, about the fact that BYU, since joining the WCC, had always had at least one player in the, the first team for all WCC. Yeah. 
You think they get one this week, this today? Do you yeah, think F- that happens? Fus will be on the line, right? Yep. Like he's one of the top 15. Does he make that 10 and five cut? Because then WCC they go 10 player, mm-hmm. first team, five player, second team. So he'll be in the top 15. But does it is he does he sneak in back end of of the first team or is he dropped to team two? That'll be the question for me. I, I could easily put him in the first team and feel good about it. Um, and he's he's a, he's a 13 and eight guy shooting better than 60 percent in conference. Those are really good numbers. Um, you know the, the the best player on uh, on a top five team. Uh, he he can he could he could be there and you could argue it certainly. Uh, but it'll be right on that on that line. I think I I wouldn't be surprised. I I don't know if if Gonzaga and St. Mary's get six of the ten, but they could. But they could get six of the ten, which takes a lot of space up, but just those two teams. And then uh, Rudy Williams is an interesting candidate for sixth man of the year. Yeah, why not? He could be the guy. We think he could be the guy. Yeah, he's a 12.3 assist guy shooting nearly 50%. Um, in, in conference, um, off the bench. He started one of 16 games. So I, I, I could go with Rudy with no problem. And then Dallin Hall should be on the freshman team, no yeah. question. You'd think, yeah. yeah. Started most of the games. So coach of the year, player of the year, newcomer? What do you got? Uh, well, newcomer Pajemski, uh, I, I think. Okay. Over, yeah. over That's Mahaney. Tr- That's true. Yeah. I, look, I, no, I was no, no. between the two, but no, I went I, Mahaney. I had forgotten this was his first year yeah, in the list. Yeah. He is yeah. the newcomer yeah, there, I, not Mahaney. I mean, just, yeah. just explosive. Yep. I mean, as great as yep. Mahaney was, and no doubt Mahaney's a first-team guy to me, um, Pajemski just, just you know, he had no multiple 30-point games. So I like Pajemski's newcomer. Yeah. Coach will be probably between Randy and, and Herb. You could always give it to Mark Few. Yep. He's a co-champion again. By the way, let's just for a moment, I used to always say um, that, that BYU is playing with the, uh, the Kansas of the West Coast Conference when they got Gonzaga in the league. Now they go to play with Kansas of, of, of the, the Kansas. Kansas. Okay, the yeah. Gonzaga of the Big 12. But, but Gonzaga is, <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's amazing. Just, I, I had to note these down. 11 consecutive WCC regular season titles, longest current streak nationally, 16 consecutive 25-win seasons, They've won 22 of the last 23 WCC titles. They've been in the WCC tournament title game in 25 straight years. Uh, they've been in the NCAAs 23 years in a row. Seven straight Sweet 16s. Uh, they, they've won the WCC tournament 20 times. Like, BYU was in a 12-season grind with just a behemoth in this league. And now they get to go experience it in the league that Kansas dominated and has dominated for so long. They've just won the league for the 17th time in 19 years. In the Big 12. It's incredible. So the Cougs have gotten good training for what it's like to, to face a, a true juggernaut in the nation because they've had arguably the two most dominant teams in college basketball in their leagues, Kansas and Gonzaga. They've had one, now they're going to get the other. Should Gonzaga, given that success, I think they like being a big fish in a small pond, chase the TV money? Because what's left for them is like get, they've changed the rules to accommodate their non-conference and whatnot. Uh, I, I wonder why they'd ever leave. Yeah, but I'm sure it would appeal to Mark Few, though, too, because after, I mean, he knows what they can do in the WCC. And granted, he knows that he can get a high seat and, and go deep in the NCAA tournament from that league, but, oh, gosh, it would be Is really... Is it the next challenge for them? I think it would be really appealing. Although him. I guess they're trying yeah. to win the Natty. That's the next challenge. But, like, yeah. in-league, t- everybody, nobody switches league for competition. They switch it for TV money primarily. I wonder if they feel that need. I, I, and I, how long I is Mark I wouldn't be, be surprised if they felt a little restless at this point. Yeah. So, yeah. They, they flirt with a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and they're flirt-worthy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, they are. Yeah. Not to put you on the spot, but with this being the last conference tournament, is, do you have a WCC moment that stands out to you from the last decade plus? Oh, uh, you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll, I, Tyler Hawes' game winner from the free, low, uh, free throw line against Santa Clara, because we always been in, in very few true, you know, make it or break it type situations in that, in, in, in that conference tournament. But Tyler's game 
uh, certainly stands out. They were kind of in a heartbreaking uh, side of that. I think they lost 51-50 to St. Mary's in yeah. the early trials, yeah. Jake Toulson, TJ Hawes year. Ford redemption shot. Yeah, the COVID year. Yeah. Um, but uh, the Tyler shot probably stands out to me. But, you know, never having won the thing, um, you're kind of looking at those kind of moments. But, uh, you know, and it's just so funny that as tough as it's been for BYU to win a conference tournament title for a while, and this year's been kind of, you know, up and down and a lot of resiliency of adversity. Wouldn't it be funny if, if of all years, in the last year in the <laughs> WCC, the something special happens? It'd be awesome. And what if Gonzaga doesn't play in the title game for the first time in forever? How like does that Santa look? Clara because be Santa some, Clara yeah. will, you know, clearly, you know, if Santa Clara gets past their game, they'll, they'll have a shot, right? It'll, it'll be a fun game, at least I would think. But then again, Gonzaga's Gonzaga. And it's funny, we talk about the Zags. Oh, it's a bit of a down, a bit of a down <laughs> 25 wins, yeah. conference co-champions, number yeah. one scoring net. team in the country, number one shooting team in the country, and most efficient team in the It's still <laughs> Gonzaga. Yeah. Yep, Gonzaga stinks this year. They're only what Greg just said, <laughs> yeah, which is yeah, incredible. Yeah. Well, uh, thanks for the time, Greg. We appreciate it. We'll see what the awards are this afternoon, and then uh, have fun Friday. We'll see you down there. That was one of our favorite interviews this week. You're listening to the best of BYU Sports Nation. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Let's talk NFL Draft, shall we? And I know that you probably don't want me to remind you of what I just brought up, but let's go there again. Mel Kuyper is one of the, if not the most credible NFL Draft expert. I know he's been around for a while and you think, ah, oh, it's just one guy's opinion, but his opinion feels like it matters Seems like it. a lot. Yeah. Yes, he's got Jaron Hall falling from the sixth best quarterback available all the way down to number 13. He's outside the top 10. Blake Freeland goes from fifth best offensive tackle down to number nine. Is this drop by Mel Kuyper for Jaron Hall and Blake Freeland a major cause of concern at this point? A concern because you're trending the, the wrong direction, but major I'm not so sure. The, the combine is Saturday for Jaron Hall in Indianapolis. We'll learn a lot. We'll learn a lot about his ankle, his high ankle sprain, which sidelined him at the Senior Bowl. Uh, is that the reason he dropped? Is because he's got a questionable limb? We'll find out. Uh, and then the, the pro day coming up in, later in March, uh, where, where Zach Wilson made such a big name for himself. There's another opportunity there. Coming out of those two things, if you're still trending that way, then, then there is cause for concern. Um, I'm a little bit surprised because nothing's really happened. So then why would someone drop that far uh, from week to week? But Kuiper's Kuiper. Here's why people should not freak out about Jaron Hall. Has he ever done an interview? or had a sit-down conversation, especially in the public media, where you haven't left feeling like, man, he's a sharp kid. Right. Like, he just is super yeah. responsible. He's got such a sturdy head on his shoulders. No, he is so good in the interview process, and that's part of the scouting combine. These, these agents and uh, these scouts are gonna talk to Jaron Hall, and they're gonna be super impressed with just the way he handles things, yeah. the way the mature fashion that he answers tough questions. And that will help teams feel better about drafting Jaron Hall. The perfect scenario for him is to go and get himself into a position behind a tenured, experienced NFL quarterback where he can just soak in the knowledge of this veteran leader in front of him, and then you can begin to trust him some more. He's such a sturdy, mechanically uh, or mechanical, well-thought-out mind that, that that's going to help. And I don't know if he's going to run the 40 with the high ankle sprain. I don't know how much he's going to do with the combine. But whatever he does, he'll be precise. He will be well-prepared. And, like, scouts are going to like him. 
We shouldn't be surprised by this. John Beck said uh, the other day, and, and Beck's been his off-season quarterback coach, um, that uh, what matters is, is to get drafted, doesn't matter where, and then what you do next. Now, he was drafted in the second round by the Miami Dolphins and was out after a year uh, because the scenario... Situation was awful. Was awful. Uh, we've seen Zach's not in the best scenario with the Jets. Uh, we'll see how that goes because he's going into his third season. But, but for, for Beck, he said, Jaron just needs to get drafted by a team that's going to give him reps all summer to move him along and, like you said, put him behind a veteran and, and let him study the NFL game. Winning in the NFL is different than winning in college. We've seen that clearly, especially with Zach. Um, and, and, and he's the one who went before Jaron. So there's plenty to learn uh, from, from Zach's experience to Jaron's experience. But you've got to get drafted. You've got to get in. And then once you get in, You're make, in. make the throws, kill the interviews, be the face of the program, and, and you're off to your professional job. Now, let's update you on the projected rankings. And this is according to a mock draft database that takes into account all of the major publications and some not-so-major publications with their NFL experts, like, moving their lists around and projecting all of the individual players. So Jaron Hall right now, and this is, this is like an average, a yeah. cumulative score here. He's a projected fourth-round pick. And, that, and that's including Mel Kuyper's latest drop to number 13. That seems pretty good. Like, would anybody – do we really care if Jaron Hall goes in the fourth round compared to the third round? No, not really. Like, if he drops to the sixth round, now it's like, ah, maybe he might not make a roster because you get to the sixth and seventh rounds and, like, your status is a little weird, right? Yeah. But it, I don't feel like it matters if he's a fourth-round pick or a fifth-round pick. Ask Tyler Algier about being a fifth-round pick. Yeah. Think he maximized his opportunity? <laughs> Good grief. Blake Freeland is projected – as number 100 overall and a third-round pick, Puka Nakua is a projected fifth-round pick. He's the wild card. Puka's the wild card because he's not on anybody's charts, but we, we all know how phenomenal of an athlete he is. Combine's important for Puka. Pro Day's important for Puka because uh, he's, he's off the charts on the field, but he's not on the charts going into the draft. But somebody's going to get him. How high? Who knows? All of these guys still have opportunity because all are going to the NFL Combine to improve their stock and impress people. And then they've got BYU's NFL Pro Day coming up in late March as well. There's opportunity to go out and say, hey, I'm healthy now. I'm better. I'm looking fresh. I'm looking strong. Take a chance on me. Take a chance. Yeah. It's, okay. It is so far from time to like really worry about this because they're all still projected to be drafted. <laughs> if somebody had fallen off the board, like, ah, then that's not a good deal. Especially when you left early yes. to do it. No, they're all projected. They're, in, they're all in a, relatively speaking, good place with opportunities to move up. Let's tackle this topic on this Tuesday. What did BYU do in Saturday's win over San Francisco, which was very impressive, that can or at least has a good shot of carrying over to the WCC tournament for them starting Friday night? Well, I, I'm not going to put on BYU the, the idea that they need to have 10 turnovers or fewer. That, that just... <laughs> That was such a fantastic statistical line from BYU in the win over San Francisco. Also out-rebounding your opponent by 20, and you have 13 more assists in San Francisco. You made your free throws. You make a ton of free throws. The, the things that I feel like are, are the easiest to carry over are, one, just general defensive mindset. It felt like BYU was re-engaged defensively. And after the Santa Clara game, Mark Pope said to me, I feel like our defensive identity has completely abandoned us. Yeah. And that was majorly concerning because it's late in the season. Like, huh? The thing that BYU collectively has hung their hats on this season on the men's basketball side has been we play defense. 
weakened guard. We will throw out effort and we will rebound like crazy. And that just kind of seemed to go away for about a five-game stretch. And it culminated in one of the worst performances of the season, probably the worst performance BYU had at home against Santa Clara. And now they bounce back a week later with this re-engaged defensive mentality. That is the thing that BYU can take. I know that playing in front of a Marriott Center crowd is going to be very different than playing in front of a few thousand people, especially in the early rounds of the West Coast Conference Tournament. But I feel like, Dave, they can take their defensive mindset and that energy and I guess the commitment to play defense. They can do that, and that will generate some positive things. So I, I start there. The challenge has been consistency. As good as they played against San Francisco, can they do that again Friday night? And if they can, they'll win Friday night. And you know what? They'll win Saturday night. And then Monday, you've got your shot against St. Mary's, who, who you've taken to the, to the limit on, in both games. You're not afraid of St. Mary's. St. Mary's probably more afraid of BYU because they've pushed them the way they've pushed them. Um, and so it's all about, can they, can they do it again? And if they can do it again, and they leave the floor Friday, having played back-to-back solid games, that makes them dangerous the rest of the way. I mean, it's right there. But if they come out and do the opposite, which we've seen all season long, then it's that's why 17 norm, and 14 right? happens, yeah. then you can be eliminated Friday night and leave leaving them with the same questions that you had going into Saturday night's game. Can we put it together, keep it together, and play together? And I, you asked Mark Pope after the game, was this the first best complete game of the season? He said, I don't know if there is. It's like life. I yeah. don't know if there is a complete whatever. Constantly chasing it. But it was pretty close. Maybe as best as they played Against a good team since, what, Utah? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the most complete performance that BYU has had since all the way back in December on the day of the New Mexico Bowl, December 17th. That was a good day for BYU fans. Yeah. And a credit to Mark Pope and his staff for getting them together and getting them focused yeah. after a four-game losing streak. Can they just, just pack that up and, and take it to Las Vegas? We'll find out Friday night. But we're going to have a good time down there if they do. They don't even need to play better than an average game. Like, I feel San Diego and... I mean, Portland, th- those teams have struggled. Like, BYU does, is not in a scenario where they're like, oh, man, they got to play their best game. they got to show up like they did against St. Mary's and, and Gonzaga. No, you know, it'd be nice if they did. But just if you can be somewhat average on offense and play good defense, Dave, they're going to win this game by 8 to 10 points. And now we're saying, hey, it's a trend. Okay, the, d- the defense is back. Now they're trending back-to-back games. LMU should be worried on Saturday if BYU shows up and plays with intensity and defense for what's going to happen on Saturday. Yeah, you need two witnesses. Once you get two or three witnesses, you're, you're locked in. <laughs> so they need a good Friday night. And, yeah, if I see L- if LMU is watching that Friday night going, okay, well, what's going to keep them from doing to us what they did in our last game with them on February 2nd when they beat us by 29 points? Yeah. I mean, the, the pathway is good for BYU. Pack your defense. Bring some consistency. Good things should and happen. And go for it. Yeah, rebound the basketball, play defense. Our question of the day is this. Does it matter to you as we push back to football? To you, which round BYU football guys get drafted in? Do you care? Are you, are you concerned about it on February 28th at DSPAS on Twitter? I love that handle. <laughs> I feel being drafted in the first round is extremely special. It is. And the money is special as well. Yeah. He continues. But I don't see a huge difference between rounds two through six. Just get drafted. I somewhat agree. I feel like... The second round is, is still high level. Rounds three through five kind of feel like all one thing to me. And there's still some money in there. Sure. Tyler got paid. 
Yes, he There's did. There's money in there. Six and seven, it's like, ah, you're probably, even though you're drafted, you're really going to still have to fight for your spot to even make a practice squad. Yeah. 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 And so, after that, you're like, oh, should I left? <laughs> should I have come back for one more year? You know, and in 2020, after that COVID season, we had three guys go in the seventh round. All three played on rosters that year, and two of them are still around, yeah. Kyrus Tonga and Dax Milne. So that's a real tribute and credit to, uh, to those guys for taking a risk and making a payoff. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. The Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Oklahoma State unveiled their vision plan for athletics, and it's impressive. If money wasn't an issue, what would be the first build you'd make on the BYU campus as we move on into the Big 12? I'm inclined to want to upgrade both of the major facilities, the Marriott Center and Lavelle Edwards Stadium, specifically with suites, yeah. and just make that experience next level. But I think there's something that I would do even before that. There's this sleeping giant across University Avenue at Provo High School, the old Provo High School that BYU bought for $10 million a number of years ago. What the heck is gonna happen there? I think that a new Smithfield House type building would just do wonders for athletics. I don't know what sports you put over there. Maybe you build a new soccer stadium and you have a new Smithfield House type building, just more development for the Olympic sports. Yeah. And that would free up the current buildings. And now, you know, you don't have as many teams trying to compete in the indoor practice facility with each other. Maybe you build another indoor practice facility across the street and you have two. And so you have that much more opportunity and room for your teams to just grow and develop and not have to overlap and the schedules don't get so crazy. It's a great idea. I think I would start by going to the locker room at Lavelle Edwards Stadium mm. and making it a, a palatial experience. 100%. I was in there last summer interviewing uh, Jim McMahon. He looked around and he goes, this looks just like it was when I was here. <laughs> <laughs> and I looked around, I'm thinking, that's got to be a problem. It's time. Uh, the, the student athletic building is state of the art, uh, but that, that football locker room might start there. Uh, but but you got much bigger visions and dreams for that property over there. I, I think that that's a great idea. It's a sleeping giant, huge space that BYU could do. And as an Orem Tiger, with. I'd like to see anything Provo High just just done away with. They got <laughs> their demolished. own new school. <laughs> Lauren Gustin of BYU Women's Basketball set the single season BYU rebounding record last or yesterday. She broke the WCC record earlier this season. Dave, will she break the single game rebounding record of 28 before she's done at BYU? Her career high is 24 rebounds in a single game. I think so. Because she's been there knocking on the door of 23, 24. Um, the competition's going to get a lot better next year with Big 12 teams, but there's still a, a swath of non-conference games uh, where she can be in matchups where she can dominate. Uh, she had 20, what, 24 rebounds yesterday as we watched her work. Um, she is uh, she's phenomenal, a phenomenal talent at rebounding the basketball. That record had stood for about 42 years. Tina Gunn's records don't get broken at BYU, and we were both sitting there when she broke it yesterday. And you're yeah. like, Wow. 
Yeah, she's a special player for sure. Yeah. 28 is a ton. That requires a ton of missed shots as well from an opponent. But consider, remember, twice this year, maybe three times, I know twice, she out-rebounded an entire, entire team. Teams. Yeah, no. So maybe she can, you know, if there's a little more size which is coming next year, which could free her off, maybe not getting triple teamed on a box out. She'll be a little more freer to grab some. Tell you what, I'm going to say no just to motivate her, Dave. And it will. I'm going to say no. Now you no. picked her off. No, she won't get <laughs> break the single game rebounding record. And now hopefully that motivates her to go and do That's it. That's reverse sports nation yeah. karma. Come on, let's go. All right, the BYU black uniforms worn against Notre Dame have been voted as the Uniswag uniform of the year. Oh, they're so they're so sharp. Should BYU wear these black unis at least once a year? So make it an annual mm -hmm, thing. Mm -hmm. And which game on this year's schedule would you want to see them? 100% it needs to be senior night against Oklahoma in mid to late November. I think it's November 18th. So yes. if the Cougs came out in those and Oklahoma was in their whites At, with the red Oh trim. my goodness. Yes, Oklahoma can wear their white jerseys and their red helmets and BYU can be in the all black. Let's go. <laughs> let's, let's go. November can't get here soon enough. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. I want all of you to rewind to January 4th, 2014. BYU men's basketball hosting San Diego. Mind you, we had Skylar Halford on the program that day, and BYU Sports Nation wasn't even on TV at that point, Dave. It was radio only. We were in beta <laughs> test mode at that point. It's Skylar with us on the program. You gave him some karma. Gave him some karma, right. and all he did was go for 28 points on 11 of 16 shooting, made four threes, had three assists as well, and he did so efficiently in 26 minutes. Skylar Halford, the original karma recipient. Thank you. I am just so glad that I get, I mean, I just asked Spencer before this, I was like, are we going to live this 20 years from now? And Forever. Hey, that's the way I'll be a legend. Not like, you know, Ty, Jimmer, they can have the legend that way. I'm going to be the karma legend. Was, <laughs> the important thing is you had a moment. Yes. I had a moment. You had a moment. So many people don't get moments. You got so many tweets that, like, after you went for so 20, funny. so many people on social media were like, so the karma's a real thing. <laughs> Skylar Halford went nuts. The coincidence. How funny. That, that was fun. Good times. So we're at the best time of year, March, for a yes. basketball fan. Everybody's got a fighting chance. Mm -hmm. uh, how does the mentality shift? from a 16-game regular season fight to four days. Yeah. And it, it, gosh, it's in one, it's crazy to think that it's in four days. I'm just like, it's so lucky those guys have that Sunday day off. Because it is a grind. I just remember when we were playing, guys are on massage tables, like guys are getting treatment every day because your body takes a hit. Um, but the mentality is, is this, at least for me, March is here and the opportunity is there. You, no matter where you sit, in the seating, the opportunity is there and it's so exciting for all the players, the team, and you just have that, we could make it to the NCAA tournament. And I think that's the mentality and that's the excitement and that's the hope. And as a player, that's what gets you ultra focused. BYU is the five seed, which ties the lowest seed that they have been in going back with last year. So they play on Friday, but we all feel, and me have been probably the most vocal about it, that it lines up well in terms of matchups. It, March to me is so much about matchups. Yeah. BYU had great success against Portland and San Diego, but mm -hmm. they're different teams this time around. They too are playing with just 
an added level of desperation. So that first game, and as you look at what BYU could potentially face, how do you feel about the Cougars' bracket lineup in Las Vegas? Yeah, as a five seed where they're at, they're in the best position they possibly could be. Like as a five seed to make it to that championship game, semifinals, championship game, give themselves a chance. I mean, this is as good a road as you're going to get, I think, for them. Um, granted, you know, like you said, every team is playing, you know, a little bit different right now as before when BYU played them, but there's a chance. There's a really good chance, I feel, that they could get to that St. Mary's game, but you hate looking ahead. As a player and a coach, just that, it comes back inside. I'm like, something's telling me to stop talking right now. Just focus on the first one. <laughs> we spent a lot of time developing players. Uh, a basketball team, like the current one for BYU, as they arrive at this point, they are what they are. Yeah. Uh, there's no time to change who you are, right? Mm -hmm. It's, it's kind of like Saturday. Shore up some things, play hard, and and you can win, but there's, there's no time to go, we need to be somebody different. Right. Yeah, I mean, you are who you are, but I feel like you have ebbs and flows within who you are. And I think right now, BYU's playing in a place where, for example, just a couple of names that come to my mind are like Rudy. Rudy Williams right now is on a, a you know, his ebbs and flows. Right now, he's traje his trajectory is upward, yeah. and I feel like, I mean, he's, got, he's had like five turnovers in his last four games. Like, those are stats that you want for your point guard. Yeah. And I feel like, as far as that thing goes, like this year they've had turnover issues. But I feel like right now um, they're in that ebb and flow, the part where they are heading in the right direction. Okay. That, could, that could be positive for them and help them play into getting a little bit further in the tournament. Is there something that's, I hate to use the word fixable, because yeah. we're late <clears throat> in the season. It's yeah. late. But is there something that BYU can tweak to maintain an upward trajectory? If, if so, what is the aspect of the game that you feel like BYU can somewhat fix or tweak going yeah. to Vegas? Yeah, I think for me, when I watch them and uh, when they are playing a little bit more up-tempo, so when they try and get some easy baskets in transition, those easy baskets add up over the long term. I know Coach Pope likes to play in the half court and they do a really good job there as well. But, for example, like Rudy Williams, I think I heard recently when I was watching one of the games, he's like number one in the, in the WCC for offensive transition efficiency or something like that. And, and I just think there's little things like that that maybe you give a little bit of an uptick and like a little bit of an up-tempo type style. And then that frees up guys like Jackson Robinson, um, Spencer Johnson, uh, Rudy himself, just to get some three-point baskets. I'm going to just put this out there. I know we're not – we haven't – proven to be the best three-point shooting team. If they're going to win this tournament, they have to shoot well Absolutely. from the three-point line. It's and, just And the Orleans hasn't been, uh, no matter what year it is, BYU's favorite place to shoot. Yeah. It's in that tournament, we've had great shooters go in there, and, and uh, it's just different. Yeah, and you need that. I mean, you have to be able to shoot the ball from the three-point line. Well, if, if BYU shoots 20% or less from the three-point line, they will not win this tournament. Like, 20, I mean, maybe even 30. Like, they probably need to shoot above 30% from the three-point line, in my opinion, to win this whole thing. And I think the way you do that is in transition, you get some easy open looks for those guys that I mentioned before. And Foos is going to be Foos. You need Foos to be Foos sure. down low and get his 10 to 20 points a game. But I think those other guys, March is always about guard play. It just, it's just how it goes. I thought uh, one of the key stats coming out of Saturday's game, and you were talking about it um, on the post-game show, was the rebounding, yeah. where, where, where BYU reminded themselves they can out-rebound a taller team, even by 20 
which they did on Saturday. Yeah. You don't have to re out-rebound every team by 20, but every team is taller, mm -hmm. uh, and so that fight has to be down there on the glass to hold your own. Yep. You got Gideon is going to play a huge role, I think, or needs to, on the offensive and defensive end for rebounding. And, and that's, a, that's a given. Rebounding, they've got to win the rebounding game, especially being as, you know, smaller, a smaller team. But for me, you know, guys like Gideon – who are athletic, have the ability to really get up there and get some rebounds, I think will be crucial, yeah, as well for them to make it far. Skylar Halford is with us on BYU Sports Nation. If it's not rebounding, what is it that BYU can take down to Las Vegas that they can sustain from just such a great performance in San Francisco on Saturday? What, what is the easiest to take with them to Vegas? For me, it's the, it's the fact that um, your guards are taking care of the ball. Like, that is something that I feel like right now, and I mentioned this before, like Rudy has had only five turnovers in the last, his last four games. Um, and I don't know, I'm talking a lot about Rudy, but I just, that's what keeps coming to my mind. And well, it's about guard play. It that's is. why you're going there. And Dallin Hall does a great job too. I just feel like they're, they complement each other really well. Uh, Dallin does a really good job, I feel like, in the half court, in the pick and roll, and taking care of the ball that way. And I feel like, for whatever reason, Rudy does a really good job in transition, finding the right guys, making the right play, getting the free throw line. For heaven's sakes, he was at the free throw line like 16 times yeah. in that game. Yeah. Made 15 of them. Made 15 of them. And for me, it's just continuing that where, where you're at. Just do what you're doing right now. Play the way you're playing. I mean, and I feel like Rudy, I was just looking, I was curious what Rudy's was like in their tournament last year, like with uh, Coastal, Coastal Carolina. Carolina. He was so good. He averaged like 20 and a half points a game. And I don't know, maybe tournament time is his time. And so I'm hoping that, I guess, that's my sure, hope, sure. is that that comes up. What's a number that they can sustain in the turnover mark? Is 14 or fewer good enough? Oh. Because they had 10 on Saturday, and that was like, oh, that was great. It was an outlier. I know. To win, I mean, you talk about playing in the later games, you're gonna, I think you're going to have to be like 10, maybe 11 to okay. win. Okay, okay. To win, if we're talking win. I mean, they might be able to get away with 14 or fewer against the Portland, San Diego, or maybe even a Loyola, depending on how far they go there. But a St. Mary's and a Gonzaga, is, to me, it has to be 10 or fewer to win. You went 4-2 and two in WCC tournaments. Ran into Gonzaga in the championship Gosh. games back-to-back -back oh, seasons. Yeah. One year they ranked number two, and then they were all the way back to seven, I think, on the second mm -hmm. year. So the Zags are still there, and they're, they're still the beast of, of this thing. Yes. But uh, as you guys marched through, mm -hmm. how much fun was it? Oh, my gosh. Yeah, March Madness, conference tournaments, March Madness. As a kid, that is what you dream of. That's the thing you want to do the most. And when you get in there, everything's just different. The feel's different. <laughs> you don't have to, like, I wasn't thinking about school. I'm just going to put it out. Like, I wasn't thinking about school. I wasn't thinking about <laughs> anything else. Your mind is free. You're playing the game you love. And the opportunity is there to fulfill that dream of playing in the NCAA tournament. And so that's why, gosh, it's just a magical time. Fans are traveling down to Vegas. You've got, you've got all your people there. And gosh, every game is just, it feels like a nail biter to get to the end. So it's a lot of fun. Yeah. What's the key to creating your own energy? Because the Marriott Center, come on, it <clears throat> is a special place. Yeah. It was special on Saturday night. I mean, almost 16,000 showed up to watch a team that was six and nine mm -hmm. in conference play going into that scenario. Yeah. And it, it felt like BYU may as well have been in first or second place. It, right. it, was, it was electric, to say the least. Mm -hmm. But now you go to Vegas and the Orleans Arena, you're playing in an early game. I mean, there will be a few thousand fans there. Right. Very different. Mm -hmm. How do you manufacture your own energy? Gosh, I, I, what comes to my mind is a practice. Coach Pope it was an assistant at the time when I was there, and I remember he pulled me, Chase Fisher, and Ty aside, and he just said, the energy in this building 
has to be there today. And I mean, we practice in the Marriott Center. There's not a single person there, you know, maybe a few reporters or whatever, but, and that I remember it, it comes from your leaders. So, you know, the senior leadership in Rudy, Gideon, Spencer Johnson, I think is a big time leader here. Those guys, you know, I think they need to be a little bit more vocal. They need to show up. And, and I, I get it. Not everybody's emotional. You don't have to be emotional. But I think when you see a captain, somebody be a little bit emotional when you're in those situations, it fires you up. And that's really big, I think, for some of the younger players playing that haven't been in this to kind of calm some of the nerves, go making some of those plays, being emotional. I mean, that's how I did it. I just, I just got all pumped up and excited, yelling, <laughs> screaming. But yeah, that was what worked for me. The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. What's Trending is presented by Tim Daly Ford, part of the Tim Daly Auto Group, serving Utah since 1968. So, regular season in the books. Tourney starts tomorrow in Vegas. Full coverage, of course, right here on BYU TV and BYU Radio. So let's talk about some of the awards and whatnot, but let's start with this. Will this be the first year BYU in the WCC of the 12 years does not have a team on the all-conference first team, and it's a 10-player first team? Yeah, Ben and I yesterday went through all the way back in – Going into this year, BYU had had somebody on the first day, at least one. A lot of times, too. And, and a lot of times, too, every single year since the Cougars were in the West Coast Conference. And right now, it looks like that's probably in jeopardy. Uh, I, I, we obviously don't know how this is going. I think the one that has the best chance, and I certainly think you can make a case, is Fusina Triori. Yeah. But right now, I, I just don't know if that's how this is going to play out. Because um, one thing, look – Everybody wants to dog on the West Coast Conference, and, and we have who, seen – I'm just saying na nationwide. Nationwide. Just, it's, it's, the, it's the West Coast Conference. You know, it's what you hear all the time. We've seen this year, the, and, and really the last couple of years, the number of players that have come into this league, whether they're true freshmen or they've transferred in, there's a lot of individual talent in this league, and I think that's going to be reflected in some of the names that aren't on the first team this year. So I, I, it remains to be seen. Where do you stand on that? Yeah, I, BYU does not have a first team all-conference player this year. And part of that is reflected in the record. BYU 17 and 14. You could still have a first team all-conference guy on that type of team, but that guy would have to be going for like 24 a game. Um, BYU didn't have a 14-point score this year. Um, Foose uh, was, was pretty good. He'll be on the second team, I believe. They do a five-man second team. If he's only honorable mention, it's a bit of a disappointment, right? I, I think he's second team. Yeah. I, I would be really surprised, and quite frankly, yeah. it would be somewhat of a Travis Sham mockery if he's Who's not on Travis? the second Yeah. Um, in the Big 12, we're hoping BYU can crack the second team. Uh, you know, first team is like a lot of NBA guys. Yeah. Um, and, and BYU doesn't have uh, kind of sustainable NBA guys at this point um, in the program. Perhaps they do currently, and they're just getting to that point later. Perhaps uh, those guys come in and make an impact. But as of right now, yeah, I, I agree with you. I don't see um, any BYU Cougars on the first, the 10-man first team. But on the five-man second team, we agree that Foose probably yes, will be there. and should be. That's where, yeah, I think he should be there as well. Um, okay, so with that said, the league puts out a 10-man first team. 
We just uh, found out that there's only five players on the court at the same time. <laughs> so we're just going to do a five-man team. Yes. What is your top five, your first team all-conference, top five team uh, from this season? What do you think? All right. I am going to start out with two members of the Gonzaga Bulldogs. You would. Right out of the gate. Oh, yes, because I'm such a fan of the Zags. I only have one, by the way. Uh, Drew Timmy, right out of the gate. Naturally. No-brainer. P.O.Y. last he's, year. He's on there for All-timer. sure. I did put Julian Strother on there, and some of that may be yep. because of what he did against BYU. Um, certainly, he's in the top 10, regardless, for yes. me. First team and I somewhat questioned if I was going to put him in the top five. Ultimately, I landed there. Yep. So, Drew Timmy, Julian Strother from Gonzaga. I had Brandon Podzimski uh, from Santa Clara there. Aiden Mahaney, the freshman, fantastic, from St. Mary's. And Cam Shelton, who leads the league in scoring from LMU. Those are, the, those are my five. Podzimski, by the way, if Kyle Collinsworth did like like mini dreads. That's what he would look like. <laughs> He's had a fantastic oh, season. And we'll get to that in a yeah. second. Um, okay, my my five-man first team, the only difference is I put um, Logan Johnson in over Strother. Um, had better stats. Also was the leading scorer on St. Mary's, who this year tied for the conference yep. um, championship. And, of course, uh, just a reminder, for all the stats and everything, it's conference only. They're not taking into account anything done with non-conference. So, um, you know, in conference, Logan Johnson averaged 17.7 a game. He was even better. Mahaney is an interesting one because he was awesome. His stats don't look like they're in the top five of guys, but their pace is slow. And his clutch level was really high. And he, he was clutch against Gonzaga. He had the game-winning basket literally both times against BYU. And I just, that weighs in a lot for well, me. And being a freshman, yes. like we give you like a little more yes. benefit of the doubt there. Mahaney is a, a top five player in the league. His stats don't say it, but he absolutely is. I, I agree with you 100%. The fact that he is a freshman and that Randy Bennett gave him the keys to the car. You're going to run this team. They end up, obviously, having the season that they did, yep. and they'll, they'll go in as the number two seed. Top ten net team. It's The they're, fact that he did really that good. as a true freshman, yep. that's, that's enough reason right there. Almost, well, and we'll get to it a little bit later when we get to player of the year type stuff. But, yeah, I, I have no problem with Aiden Mahaney being there. In okay, fact, so the much I put him the there. Yeah. Yes. No, he's a good player. All right, and so, we will never see him again. Yes. So let's go from our Until top Until Monday. <laughs> yes. Yes, After Monday. That, what I mean. We will see him Monday. Let's go. Let's start at the top with Coach of the Year. Yeah. So this you, is an easy pick. You, well, see, you and I differ on this. Randy Bennett. See, I because put, St. I put was Randy Bennett. was not expected to do this. Well, see, and, and I did it. Okay, so. Coach of the Year is always this, Yep. Oh, we didn't expect that. That's what the Coach of the Year is. When yes. Damon Stoudemire and Pacific won it, it's because Pacific stunk. And then they uh, were better than people thought. But Mark Pope should have won it that year. They were, BYU was amazing in 1920 and finished the year with that win over Gonzaga. Like, top 25 team. Mark Pope should have been it. In fact, uh, I know that ruffled some feathers. Um, he should have been it. When I, had, when I wrote down it. my answer first, I put Randy Bennett. I changed it to Herb Sendak. Because, because they I, took third? Because they were picked sixth. They finished third. Yeah. They ended up losing from last year's team four of their five top scores, including an NBA lottery pick. And I could see that one. And they moved up into the third spot in the conference. 
People expect St. Mary's to be good. Yes. They didn't expect so I, to be I that ended up good. going with, with Herb, which is what they say I in it was England. Herb here, this here, whole yes, time. here in America, we say Herb Sendek. Yeah, Herb Sendek. Yes. So, so that's where we differ. I said Herb, and you went much, with Randy. How much to say Herb Sendek during a Santa Clara game? I will. I will not. No. 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 Nothing. No. Nothing. Not a halftime. No. I'm doing halftime. Okay. Player of the year. Who you got? Player of the year. I went with Drew Timmy. What is this, Gonzaga Sports Nation? Again, uh, you're not gonna. This doesn't. This doesn't make me feel good to be saying this. Drew Timmy's the best all-around player in the conference, and quite frankly, I I, I had a, a battle in my mind that I almost gave it to Aiden Mahaney, and, mm. and honestly, Brandon Podzimski was third, and it was boom, 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 where I'm like, I could make a case for all three of these players to be Player of the Year. Ultimately, I went with the best team in the league, the best all-around player. The guy that's been here for 18 Best years. Best team in the league, St. Mary's. And Drew um, Timmy. Same record as Gonzaga, higher net. I would argue St. Mary's, well, higher ranking for Gonzaga. I think St. Mary's is the best. I, 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 just, I just think Drew Timmy is the best player in I the I think conference. Brandon Pajemski of Santa Clara will win the, the player of the year. He was second in scoring, first in rebounding as a 6'5 guard, sixth in assists. Those are higher than uh, Drew Timmy's ranks. He had more points per game, more rebounds per game, and more assists per game than Drew Timmy. Yes, they tied for a conference championship. I could see that. Timmy's an all-timer at Gonzaga, all-timer in the West Coast Conference. I think Pajemski was the best player. A Kyle Collinsworth-like thing here in that he rebounds a ton. Not the triple-double number, but Pajemski might win it. We'll see. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if it is Timmy. All right, uh, Defensive Player of the Year. We both go with the same one, it looks like. Mitchell yeah. Saxon of St. Mary's, uh, number one in blocks, tied for second in reboundings, uh, rebounds, on the tied for first best team in the league. I think he's a clear defense player of the year. Yeah, no, no, no. I think that's, that's a no-brainer. We both agree. So, uh, sixth man. This one was harder. There's not a lot of great six men in the league. And I'm, I'm going to play, and it looks like we both are, yeah. the, the, the we work at Brigham The card. Homer card? The Homer card is Rudy Williams. He's a starter that's coming off the bench. 12, uh, a game, uh, 11.8 a game in league. He had three 20-point games in league off the bench. Malachi Smith from Gonzaga was the other that could be the sixth man of the year. But Rudy Williams um, is definitely a starter that was playing off the bench, and he played spectacular. I'm not including when he started. Like Saturday, that's yeah. not in my conversation of this, of those three 20-point games. By the way, I love the fact that when we wrote down our stuff and we put every team, who you know, so-and-so and then the team, I actually did put Rudy Williams, comma, BYU. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that. Wait, where does he play again? It was more to keep it uniform with everything else I had written, because had I not, it would have bugged me. Your OCD kicked in? Yeah, exactly. Had to have it. The best of BYU Sports Nation. We'll be right back. Rise and shout for the trending topics of the week here on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Viva March basketball in Viva Las Vegas. It's March. Anything goes, especially in college basketball. And in this city. BYU, <laughs> as you mentioned, Jerem, off the top of the broadcast, both Let's the go. men's and women's teams in a five-seed scenario. Both teams will play on Friday for the first time in the history of BYU being involved in the West Coast Conference. Not ideal, per se, but we have talked at length about why we feel like both teams for the most part, are in a good scenario to potentially make a run, especially on the men's side. So 
My question for you as we kick off our coverage from BYU Sports Nation here at the Orleans Arena, is it get to semifinal Monday or bust for BYU basketball? I think bust is an appropriate word here. Normally it would be like, well, they can still do X, Y, Z. Let's talk about the men first. Um, yes, uh, I don't think BYU is getting to the NIT if they don't get to at least Monday. They might need to win Monday to get into the NIT, so absolutely there. But as we've talked about, BYU played San Diego and Portland once. You only played two teams once. It was those two. Um, and Portland did not have its top two players in Moses Wood and Tyler Robertson in that game, by the way, against BYU. So that could be interesting if Portland beat San Diego in the first men's game coming up tonight. And then you'd have LMU, who BYU beat by 28 at home in the last meeting. He lost by five along in January in L.A. LMU is certainly dangerous. They're the only team in the league that also beat Santa, uh, St. Mary's and Gonzaga, not named St. Mary's or Gonzaga. So that's, but that's the best road, right? You can get to Monday. BYU men can absolutely get to Monday. Then on the women's side, they are fourteen, or they are uh, one game above, uh, below five hundred. They're not making the WNIT. There's not a postseason situation for the women, unless they make some kind of run and get to Tuesday and maybe have to win it. Um, we'll see because there's Gonzaga and Portland's good. And Gonzaga, it's one bid league with Gonzaga right now on the women's side. BYU split with Pepperdine, Santa Clara. They'll play the winner of that first game coming up in a couple hours yep. here on BYU TV. And then they play San Francisco, who they split with. But I like BYU against San Francisco. Joanna uh, Cremili is the top scorer in the league. You've got to shut her down. But you've got good defensive guards in the Kiwis, in Ario Mackey For Williams, sure. and Kaylee Smiley. San Francisco so I like a tough matchup on their home floor. They've been an entirely different squad anywhere but in their gym on the hilltop. And we'll see what BYU does. If I'm Lauren Gustin, and I'm maybe ticked about not being the WCC Player of the Year, I maybe take it out on some fools here. Yeah. And maybe if Nani Falatea takes care of the ball, BYU women's basketball is a very good team. So I, I think it is semifinal Monday or, or bust for both. They have to win tomorrow and Saturday. And if they get to Monday, I'm pleased with both of those teams. That, w- that would check the box for me. It would require a couple of actual victories by both teams to then get to a scenario where we feel like, hey, even if you lose on Monday, there is a moral yeah. victory yeah. in getting through the weekend. And it wouldn't even be moral uh, victory to me, per se, Spence. It would be like, yes, you are the five. You're technically supposed to bow out in the quarters by seeding. So you upset the four in the quarters, assuming you get there. Yeah. And, and then if you get to Monday... Especially for the men, let's go. You don't have a first-team all-conference guy. Like, you're not supposed to do this. But this BYU men's team, if they play the way they did Saturday, mm, they get to Monday easy. Based on what the BYU men's basketball team did against LMU and St. Mary's this season, what makes anybody think, oh, BYU won't make it a game? All of those games have been very close except for one, and that mm-hmm. is BYU blowing out LMU in Provo by 28 or 29. Okay, just just ran LMU out of the building, though LMU did not have their big rim protector. So things can change here on yes. a neutral court, right? So the personnel are a little bit different, but still. The matchups for BYU are favorable because of the success that they enjoyed against Portland and San Diego, albeit without those team stars. Yep. The matchups are favorable. So I feel like BYU should get to Monday, and then let's just see what happens. Anything goes in March, but it requires BYU to get to Monday. And how much will playing a couple of games in this arena help 
or maybe hurt BYU in that capacity going up against a fresh St. Mary's team on Saturday or on Monday if they can get to that point. That's always an interesting conversation in this very unique WCC bracket. Yes, because uh, if you're St. Mary's, you get like 28 buys uh, until Monday, which is super fun. But uh, BYU gets one buy, right? Um, this is built so Gonzaga doesn't have to show up until next week. This is this is how this thing is structured. Okay? <laughs> and in the, in the Big 12, I mentioned it the other day, they go 4-6-4 four, four in terms of how many teams enter per day. Um, and so th- this is interesting to see. Ken Palm gives a percentage chance to make his certain rounds for the West Coast Conference teams. BYU a 78% chance to get to the quarters when Friday. Yep. That's fair. Uh, semifinals, 47% to get to the semifinals. That's higher than those, LMU. I would take those odds. Yes. They give BYU a better chance. Yeah, basically to win a game and beat LMU. BYU uh, has lost four of five, but the one they played last Saturday, if they can summon like 72% of that, they will get to the semifinal, Spence. I'm feeling good about BYU's chances here. The women are certainly contingent. I I feel like BYU is going to win tomorrow in women's, and then it's you got to take care of the ball, and you can't let Cremita go off for 30 on Saturday. That's The women have probably the most tricky potential matchup in the early rounds of this tournament. And it's based on what BYU did against Santa Clara. Santa Clara has yeah. uh, a woman named Tess Heal who has just absolutely amazing burst onto the scene. Freshman, like, newcomer of the year. She scored 39 points against BYU. 39! And lost, but Tess Heal and the Broncos won in Provo. It's about matchups. March is so much about matchups. I thought it was about brackets. Santa Clara is a a tough matchup for BYU for whatever reason, probably because they can extend BYU out beyond the arc. It's not just Tess Hill. It's a number of players who can shoot the three. But Santa Clara lost to Pepperdine five days ago, the team they're going to face today. So BYU fans, honestly, you should hope that Pepperdine beats Santa Clara again because Pepperdine would be a much better matchup for BYU tomorrow. Pepperdine. Beat BYU at home. BYU blew it. Blew it. Nine like, point lead with two lap. minutes to go. Yeah, yeah, no. By the way, what if I told you both BYU teams were the one seed, and one of these teams had two first-team all-conference players, and the other had zero, and that the one was the women? Lauren Gustin and Nani Falatea were two of the top ten players in the league. BYU had zero on the men's, which we predicted But both would finished happen, in fifth place. But both finished in fifth, so it's not like... Uh, and BYU's two games below 500 in league. Granted, they play two more games, the, or two fewer games. Sorry. So had they played two more, maybe they finished 500. Who knows? If you play Portland, San Diego twice, you're probably nine and nine for BYU, right? Instead of seven and nine. But it's it's just interesting to see the women kind of come in with relatively more star power than the BYU men. Now the BYU men though have a massive chip on their shoulder, which may benefit them in this tournament. Like, a Spencer Johnson type probably feels like, listen, I'm like second team all-conference kind of in this place. I'm, I was honorable mention. Dallin Hall's on the freshman team. Foose was on the second team. These guys on Saturday, a few, like Rudy played like a first team all-conference guy. If they can summon some of those performances, Foose was 17 Foose played like a first team yes, all-conference guy. And all it t- we're not talking about winning this tournament. And we never really have. What we're talking about is getting to Monday. And then if you can get to Monday, you've got perhaps a one-game play into the NIT. Or, in your opinion, BYU is probably in the NIT, right? It's the just, play-in game versus LMU to get in the NIT. The play-in right? game is Saturday. <laughs> to me, the play-in game is Monday. But just make a run. 
have that whatever motivation you need to find. Find Do it. it. Like Michael Jordan in the last dance. Find it. Like gets a weird look from someone and suddenly he's throwing up way more than he did beforehand. Certain athletes in certain spots are motivated by different things. For for Lauren Gustin, it might be that she wasn't defensive player of the year. That they haven't played great because they're 500 team in league and, and sub 500 overall. For the men, it's we aren't the team that lost four in a row. We're the team that showed up Saturday. And we're going to wreck some fools in the first two games, and then we're going to scare the crap out of St. Mary's on Monday and just see what happens. The Cougars say so long to the West Coast Conference here at the Marriott Center. He'll oh! have her at home with two hands! And BYU continues to dominate the dogs! The end of an era. BYU plays their final West Coast Conference game at the Marriott Center. Is the Big 12 logo in the paint yet? Is you asked me ready? that on Saturday night. I checked. <laughs> I still saw the WCC Can you imagine there. we wander over there? It's there. We're like, yeah! we need everybody off the court. we got to make some changes. That'd be offensive to the league. I get it. But uh, in a couple of weeks, you could certainly do it if you want. BYU now headed to Las Vegas. Friday night game as the number five seed. And coming off... A performance that just might have been tops this season. An incredible, complete performance in a game that BYU had to have. So let's ask the question, Jerem. Ask it. Was that indeed BYU's best performance of the season? It was pretty good. So it's going to be an argument between how BYU played in that situation, needing a win at home to get to the five seed, versus... What I think, which is, no, it's not the best performance. The best performance was beating Creighton. Creighton's 16 in net right now. Mm. That's BYU's one quad one win. I know that uh, Creighton was down its top player, but BYU, uh, that's not BYU's problem. Uh, BYU went in and won that game and uh, kind of held on at the end. To have a quad one win like that is awesome. It shows you the ceiling. Now, BYU and uh, St. Mary's Gonzaga, had BYU defeated either of those teams, Easily that would have been best the best performance. Yes. And uh, when you lose, you don't want to say it's a great performance, but those were good performances by BYU. But you can't have a loss be the top one. So, yeah, I say Creighton. Don't forget about the 23-point comeback against Dayton on a neutral court. That's a quad two win. Smashing Utah, always a good thing. Not the best win of the year, but uh, Utah 69 in net, so it's a quad two game there. Those are the three quad one wins for BYU, or quad one and two wins for BYU. It was a great performance, though. Uh, winning that game in the way that BYU did was the perfect way to go out of the regular season and at home. And Rudy Williams getting the start. I thought Dallin would still start. Nope. Rudy got the start, not because he's a senior. I think because they were looking for a new look. You're in a four-game losing streak. They switched it up. That was a good move. One that you called earlier in the week when we were talking. And I was like, wait, what? It was a good move. And Rudy was spectacular. 21 points, 7 assists. Foo 17 and 14. Gideon George, 12. Jackson Robinson, 12. He played tremendous defense on Tyrell Roberts and everybody else. Shabazz. Had to volume shoot his way to 21 points. BYU destroyed San Francisco. It was awesome, dude. He finally struggled against BYU. He finally did. He didn't score 30. Uh, someone <laughs> didn't score 30 in this game. Uh, it feels like someone always does. I could see the argument for why it's the best, given the situation. Four-game losing streak, need to win, five-seed senior night. But I still think the Creighton win is the best performance of the season because it was in Vegas. Because guess what? BYU needs to go in Vegas and summon that same energy to win a couple of games and get to Monday. I love that you brought up Rudy Williams' stat line. Seven assists. He had all seven of those assists in the first half. And it was like the first half of the first half. Like, it, it felt so fast. It was unbelievable. Yeah. BYU made shots to help in that regard, but Rudy Williams was solid in his senior night performance. Was the team better in this performance than any other game this year? 
The only thing that gives me hesitation on the Creighton scenario is that BYU led by 12 points with like a minute and a half to go and then needed a Dallin Hall comeback bucket to win that game. And Creighton was down their best player and had their second best player foul out with about eight minutes to that's, go. That's his fault. So it just it didn't feel like the overall best performance per se. Best win, Which no doubt. Which is the question. Best win, yeah. no doubt. I just like quad one wins a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I hey, just really do. And I love the Utah win as well. And I thought yeah. that overall was a pretty good performance, specifically Rudy Williams that day. And at the time, Utah was top 30. Yeah, that was a quad one of So the if it's not Saturday, for me, it's probably the Utah game at home. I, I felt like that was truly a complete game. And we all kind of thought back in December, this is what this team is capable of. Rudy Williams is capable of doing this. And that's why it was frustrating because we saw these moments. BYU beats Creighton. BYU beats Utah at home. And that was kind of the high. And then you take St. Mary's and Gonzaga to the break. One point. You've seen what the yeah. team is capable of. Yeah. And then just some frustrating, head-scratching losses to the likes of South Dakota and Pepperdine and getting blown out twice by Santa Clara, albeit Santa Clara is a good team. Santa Clara is good. You just want to see BYU compete better. Yeah. But it's about yeah, matchups. Yeah, like you didn't play Santa Clara as tough as you played St. Mary's no, and Gonzaga. No, why? And why? In both places. Right? What? Such a fickle yeah. sport. Bad matchup. I love that BYU out-rebounded San Francisco by 20. That's an incredible number. And they went plus 13 in assists. 22 to 9 in that regard. And they only turned the ball over 10 times. You win by 26. You beat a team that has been, for the past few years, just a tough matchup for you, especially on the guard line. You mentioned BYU's defense against Tyrell Roberts and Shabazz. Yeah, Tyrell Roberts had a tough night because BYU played great defense. I hate to be a prisoner of the moment, and maybe there's some recency bias here, but I'm just looking at, statistically speaking, I don't know what's a better performance by this BYU team all year. And let's be honest, you want it late. You want it now. You don't want your best performance to have been uh, in December against Creighton and Vegas. They needed it Utah. now. They needed it in the worst They needed way. it now. And we would have taken a one-point win. But, um, yeah, BYU did some great stuff, which brings us to topic two. After Saturday's win, Rudy Williams discussed what the win means for the West Coast Conference Tournament. Rudy? <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh, how much did Saturday's performance increase your optimism for the West Coast Conference Tournament? It helps. It helps because it locked in what we have been discussing for what feels like three weeks. Just get to the four or five seed and have the opportunity to play LMU on Saturday. Take care of San Diego or Portland. I mapped it out a while ago, and I was just like, oh, this needs boom, to happen. Boom, boom, boom. It all happened. This needs to happen. It all happened. This is what we wanted. This. <laughs> yes. Exactly this. Yes. This is what BYU's path needed to be to have any shot at making a run in Las Vegas, yeah. I feel. Yeah. And You're the only one. Yeah, no, we all agree. I like that BYU had success against Portland and San Diego. They should. They're the A-9s. They're good <laughs> matchups for BYU personnel-wise. LMU's a good matchup for BYU. Yeah, the Cougars beat the Lions by 28 in Provo. In the last game they played. And competed hard on the road. Lose, losing yeah. by five in, in L.A. But That was in January, and this BYU team's, um, you know, went on a four-game losing streak. But, yes, that, the other USF performance was LMU. Yes. Blew them out yeah. at home. I'm telling you, this, this is the path for BYU to get to Monday. This and, is the way. And I like St. Mary's. I know, it's the Mandalorian. Up, it's, it's, it's the week it comes out. I like the St. Mary's is on the one line. I, I still, like, if BYU gets an Let's opportunity go, to play in the semifinals on Monday, I like 
a matchup with St. Mary's better than I do Gonzaga. I just feel like BYU matches up personnel-wise a little bit better with the Gales than they do with the Bulldogs, although they're both super good teams. The matchup has always been better with Gonzaga in my mind from a we-run-similar-stuff um, but St. Mary's um, is not as deep and not as overall talented. Gonzaga's always more talented than St. Mary's, but St. Mary's executes better. And this year, St. Mary's has better guards than Gonzaga. Typically, we're like, no, Gonzaga has an NBA guard sitting there. Isn't they, that interesting? They do not. They do not. And I don't count Strother as a guard. Strother is a wing. Yeah. He's more of a forward that yeah. is just listen, he's an NBA player. When Malachi Smith comes off the bench and has like 20 like he did, Saturday or whatever, they're tough to beat. Malachi Smith didn't do hardly anything in Pro Bowl. But, yeah, it's going to be a fun tourney. And I, like you, am feeling some real optimism. <laughs> and, and someone tweeted the, uh, you know, the, the Hawkeye gif from uh, Endgame that's like, don't give me hope. No. <laughs> when I said that BYU team Saturday could go to the semifinals easily. Now, will go. that team show up on Friday and Saturday? Probably not, because that's the best version of BYU potentially um, that we saw. But can they show up uh, in a way there? You can beat San Diego Portland. You played them once. You won in the Slim Gym. You beat Portland at home. Granted, they didn't have Tyler Robertson, their best player that night. Still crushed them. Again, not BYU's fault he didn't play, but just a note. Then, uh, then you play LMU. We like that matchup, given what we said. And then you get to Monday. If BYU gets to Monday, and this would be my answer to a question that I've been saying we're going to discuss in Vegas and later this week, is if BYU gets to Monday, check, you did it, fantastic, good job. We don't like that BYU's playing on Friday, per se. I'd love to be a top four seed and enter on Saturday. But it is what it is. BYU captured something on Saturday, ended the four-game losing streak, avoided a five-game losing streak for the first time since 0405. by the way. Good thing BYU avoided oh that because that stinks. And now, if you get to Monday, I, if I'm St. Mary's, I'm like, you know what I don't want? BYU barreling in here with two wins on this court when we haven't played. Sure. A day of rest, which we take very seriously on the <laughs> Sabbath. Literally. We don't practice. You can do a walkthrough, but you can't do a practice. In the hotel. In the hotel is fine, but not in the gym. Um, unless you're women's volleyball in Colorado Springs, and you probably played yesterday. But anyway, then St. Mary's is sitting there on Monday, mm. and they're going, oh, boy. They played us so tough. We have got to bring it to Momentum. Tonight. And then what if BYU does something there? If BYU can get to Monday, they got a shot at the NIT. If they win Monday, they're going to the NIT. 19 I wins. Yeah. See, I, I feel like beating San Diego or Portland and then beating LMU, I feel like LMU, BYU, is like a play-in game for the NIT. It might be, and, and that might sort of save how we feel about this season. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Hear what the coaches, athletes, and experts have to say. Here's another great interview from the week on the best of BYU Sports Nation. Great to have BYU women's basketball head coach Amber Whiting joining us over Zoom as her team prepares to make Amber's first venture into the West Coast Conference Tournament. Coach, we'll get to the potential matchups here in just a moment, but at this juncture, how would you explain the mentality of your team coming off another tough loss and riding a losing streak into a tournament where it's March and anything goes? Um, we, I've tried to talk to my women about changing that mindset because we didn't, yeah, we took tough losses, but that's over, right? It's March. March is everyone. Everyone is 0-0. So let's go. 
And certainly it's going to be fun. Uh, you're preparing for Pepperdine or Santa Clara, which will be the first game of the day. Certainly you have your eyes on that. What's the uh, day like in terms of practice and travel to get down here for tomorrow's game? Um, we're going to just do things normal this morning, have film, practice, and then get ready to go because we leave, I believe, at 3 o'clock. Um, but then so we'll be able to have watched the game and kind of prepare our minds of what's going on down there when we get there. Um, but it's really important for my girls to just lock in today of, you know, either game plan that we have and just be able to go. What makes preparing for a tournament like this and the March Madness scenario, if you will, starting at the beginning of a conference tournament? It's fun. Like I have loved being able to just get in the war room with my coaches and like strategize of, you know, we did this last time with them. We did this last time with them. How does it correlate? How can we pick up? So we've watched, you know, I've even had it down to the guy squad. They're yellow for one team, green for another team. So then they can differentiate the different game plans. Um, but it's fun. It's fun to just be able to, you know, it's, this isn't when the magic happens. And so March is like, I don't know. If you are a basketball player, coach, whatever, this is when you get excited. So let's go. <laughs> Absolutely. And you know that firsthand, uh, being part of the Sweet 16 team for BYU, making a run in March is really special. And everything you do this year certainly is the first for you, right, as a Division One coach. So how are you and the staff approaching what is uh, your first and last, in this case, in the West Coast Conference at least, uh, tournament in Las Vegas and it's not like you haven't coached in tournaments before, but now here you come in uh, as a D1 coach. Um, actually, like the X's and O's part, I feel like are pretty um, similar. Like you're strategizing with your coaching staff, which is, I mean, normal compared to any other level. And so, and then we've had, I've played three games in three days. I've played six games in three days. I mean, whatever we, we've had. Um, you just have to be able to tune out a lot of the noise and the extra stuff and just focus on the task at hand. And you have to take one game at a time. That's really, really important. One, you know, one day at a time, one hour at a time. So it doesn't overwhelm you. Amber Whiting, the head coach of BYU Women's Basketball, is on BYU Sports Nation. The first game of the tournament happens to feature the two teams that will play for an opportunity to match up with you tomorrow at the Orleans Arena, Santa Clara and Pepperdine. Let's discuss both of those teams, starting with Santa Clara. What makes them a unique uh, team to prepare for as you get ready for the tournament? Um, Santa Clara is really good, and they're explosive. Tess Hill, who is their fresh, the freshman of the year, um, she's really came on the scene and made some noise, and so we got to make sure we're taking care of her, and she is a good driver, a good finisher, a good shooter. Like, she has it all. Um, they also have some bigs that can shoot, and so we got to make sure that we're – you can't just sit in the paint. you got to get out and guard them. And so there's several things that make them um, who they are, and so we just have to – and it, they're different – from Pepperdine, and so we just need to make sure that we're focusing on the things that we can control with them. Um, we split with both teams, so it's you know it's whoever wants it more at that point. Okay, and then what makes Pepperdine unique and different to prepare for? Um, they have a really really good shooter, Stedman, and they also have some guards that can get downhill. Um, they have bigs that finish around the basket really well, so they're and they're not. They're not like a pick and pop type team, so we got to make sure that we are taking care of the paint, the one on one post defense, stuff like that. 
What did you think of the all-conference selections from your team and where they were put? <laughs> you would go there. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm trying to be nice right now. and I, <laughs> uh, Lauren is leading the nation in rebounds, men and women, so stats don't lie. Um, so... I have my issues with that, but she was first team. Um, and Nani is first team too. And she brought it every single game and, you know, she had a lot on her shoulders this season and handled it. So I was happy that she made what she made. Um, yeah. Did you feel like, uh, Lauren should have been obviously defensive player of the year by herself and player of the year in the conference? Um, for sure, defensive player of the year. You know, I feel like when you get player of the year, you've got to win. Um, so we should have done better with that to help her do that. Um, but defensive player for sure. Does she utilize this or will she utilize this in any way, do you think, to drive her even more? She's already a super driven athlete. Um, I don't, I mean, if she does use it, she's going to use it for motivation, of course. Right. But I think low just, she shows up every day. Like I can't, I mean, I, it's hard to get more out of her when she brings it every single day. And so like, there's, I mean, days that I don't know that there's very many off days in my head for her. Um, so yeah, if she uses it, it's definitely for motivation. And if not, she, I think she just wants to win though. That's my thing with her. And so that's, what's always been really good about her. She just wants to win. What's your life like right now as you have your daughter on the roster, obviously, and then Jace is doing a really nice job off a of mission as a freshman to Boise State. Most of your tweets at this point are retweets of Jace Whiting content, right? <laughs> He's having a great freshman year. What's life like right now as uh, not only a coach, but obviously a mother uh, of basketball players? Um, Amari's been in therapy and rehab and doing all of her stuff. And so she's been really working hard that way. It's nice to have her voice in the gym um, and just like her support. Uh, I mean, when you do it with and she knows me, she knows like when, you know, I have a certain look on my face, like it's not going to be a good day. Um, but and then Trent, like we're eating, breathing, sleeping basketball. That's really normal for our family anyway. Um, and Jace, I'm really proud of him. I, I mean, they just beat San Diego, which was awesome. And just being able, Trent was down there for that game. And so, and they stormed the court. It was awesome. But then I was just, I got to FaceTime him while he was in the locker room and just, I don't know, feel his energy. Like, it's just so fun to feel. And, but we have our weekly Sunday night family FaceTime so that we can all talk and catch up. And I called him last night and I wanted him to give me all the stories, you know, and he's like, mom, I'm tired. Like, it's so I'll, we'll catch up sometime after season when we can all just have no phones, no you know distractions, and just rehash. Now, obviously, Amari's coming off a pretty significant knee injury, and you mentioned she's in rehab and, and trying to get healthy. What's the timetable for her to be 100% so that she can be ready to go with BYU women's basketball next year and you're one of the Big 12? Um, She had surgery in October, so her, like, Full go is like July-ish, um, but we're just taking our time. It's more important right now for her, the strength, um, and to make sure that she's feeling that good and they both line up and they're good equally. Um, so, I mean, Jeff and Steven have been doing a great job, and that was the whole point in bringing her here early in January so that she could be with them. And, yeah, she's killing it. And I don't 
I don't get a lot of like the hands-on or get to be able to see her a lot as far as that's going. Um, but I saw her, I heard her laugh and it's a contagious laugh and it's a loud laugh. And I had to look down the other day and she's jump roping for the first time. And she was like, you would have thought, I don't know, they gave her a new car, but she, <laughs> she was so excited. So that's good to see in here. That's awesome. Most of us uh, don't look forward to jump roping. Uh, but in that case, coming off an ACL, certainly that's a celebration a moment. What's your favorite? Uh, you mentioned March is magical. What's your favorite March moment in, uh, in your basketball life? Ooh, I love the upsets. Like, so when I used to teach, um, I would give, you know, all my students like the brackets and we would all fill them out and I'd put them on the board and I would pull up March Madness on my overhead and we would watch it. Um, every class, all class, but like the upsets, that's what's the funnest part for me. I just love being able to watch those and I, you know, cheer for underdogs and yeah. What, so what class you, did you teach, by the way? U.S. History. We would have wanted US to be history. in Mrs. Whiting's class yeah. in U.S. History because we would have just watched March Madness all day. That would have been awesome. You've just established yourself as the greatest teacher in the history of all time of United of States school, edu higher education. <laughs> uh, people didn't know what it was. Like I remember passing it out, and somebody's like, "What's March Madness?" I was like, "No, you don't get one." <laughs> you get an F. <laughs> <laughs> Coach, it's uh, great to have you on the show. Let's give you some BYU Sports Nation karma for your approaching elimination game tomorrow in the Orleans Arena. And uh, we hope you have a fantastic practice. Safe travels down to Las Vegas, and we'll see you soon. Thank you. Thanks, you guys. We'll be right back with more of the best of BYU Sports Nation. The best of BYU Sports Nation collects our favorite conversations and brings them to you every Saturday. Cougar Whip Round presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Let's bring the heat with some hot takes. It may be cold outside, but inside it's heat. No, it's I didn't say that. Do you have any beef with the West Coast Conference Awards? Yes. Tell me. Lauren Gustin should be clearly, clearly, I think she's the best player in the league. I do too. Just she just played on the fifth we, place team. We talked. Yeah, if BYU's in third, I think she wins. She's the best player in the league. Yeah, she's been the most dominant. Yeah. Tell me, what other player in the league is like in national conversations, and what other team has a player that's in? I mean, the Katrina McLean Award is given to the best power forward in basketball, right? Yes, I call it the Lauren McLean Award, but that's just me. And like, well, there's no other player. Like Lauren Gustin, or on an award like midseason award watch list, like late season award yes. watch list, like her. BYU, you just can't be 500 in the league. And that's the problem. Like that, yeah. So and, yeah, and so that's a bummer. But like I said, I think she uses this in this tournament, and it's like, hey, have you ever seen 30 rebounds in a game? You're about to. <laughs> it's it's unbelievable. So yeah. A little beef. Not a huge beef. A little beef. Like a ramen amount? Yes. Yeah. Something yeah. like something it's like, a like pack that. Of that. All right. On a scale of 1 to 10, and this is impressive. Just how impressive, however, is this video of BYU defensive back Chica Ibunoha squatting, Jerem? It's really impressive because this dude's a, a cornerback. He's six foot 180. I don't know the exact number on there. That's a lot of plates. But, but like, I think Tijon Karoma is like, 
Yeah, when the bar bends like that, Tijon Chroma is probably giving the salute. You know what I'm saying? That's impressive. That's unbelievable. It's got to be like 500 pounds. If the bar's bending, my goodness. Listen, Chica didn't play a, a bunch last year. He, he might after that. <laughs> <laughs> he, he might do the field. That alone. Yeah. All right, you've earned some reps. And you're a starter. Uh, Houston released a video of the Big 12 patch being sewn on their football uniforms. Are we jealous? A little, right? <laughs> I, I want to be the first. It came from Uniswag and BYU won Uniform of the Year. We, so we should be the first. Do we think BYU's already put the Big 12 on? Well, does here's the thing. Was this staged? They're not already doing their unis for next year, right? It's it's March. They don't need them till September. Or did they wear them for their spring game? Are they wearing actual unis for the spring game? Will maybe. Will spring game uniforms at BYU have any spring type scrimmage. of scrimmage? Sorry, spring really scrimmage kind of. Will spring yeah. scrimmage uniforms or practices have any type of Big Twelve insignia? Will the Big Twelve logo yes. be on the field? Yes, I believe. Yes, yes. for the spring Both. scrimmage. Both. The Mountain West Conference has promised, and yeah, I know you love these. I too. love a good tease of big news because then you can just imagine it way bigger and better than what it is. You love. I hate it. Yeah, this is one of Jeremy's number one pet peeves. It, the MWC promises some big news coming today in the tweet. BYU fans quickly took to replying with shots at Utah. Jerem, do Cougar fans enjoy trolling Utah or the Mountain West Conference more? They're not trolling the Mountain West here. They're trolling the Utes. Uh, congrats, to Utes. The Utes will be thrilled. It's <laughs> just so petty. Tell me, so petty. listen. Tell me how this is like one of the funnest like times, right, for BYU fans because of the Pac-12 TV deal. Like yes. BYU fans are eating this up. Yes, it's 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 the videos that come out on like gas station TVs, like Utah and Oregon today. <laughs> you never want to be on, on GSTV when I'm at Maverick. GSTV, I don't be, yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? Yeah, gas station television. Oh, gas station television. Brian Santiago just walked through the portal and, and gave us a shout nice, out. Nice, nice. That's my backup career move if this doesn't work out. Gas GSTV. GSTV. Join the conversation 24-7 on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook using the hashtag BYUSN. The best of BYU Sports Nation rolls on after this. Get caught up in the week in Cougar Sports. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation. We now welcome in to help us officially tip off our coverage of the West Coast Conference Tournament on BYUSN, the interim WCC Commissioner Connie Hurlbut. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation. Hi, Thanks so much. It's great to be here with you today, and it's great that with this great setup to showcase our tournament this year. I wish I had a coat like yours. I'm a little cold at it's the moment. It's chilly in here. I know they're gonna. We got. I've we, been here before, especially on Thursdays. You need to. <laughs> you need to layer up a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. I thought we were seasoned vets, having yeah. been here for a long time. Uh, no, we don't have games for a couple hours. They'll turn on the right. Whatever, exactly. How, how you feeling about this edition of this tournament, which certainly is unique in that it's the final one with the ten teams in BYU. Yep, we're feeling really great about it. I mean, it's been a fantastic season on both the men's and women's side, and to be able to join together in the culmination of the regular season. And 
and here and get get to our postseason, we feel great. Our partners here are fantastic. You know, we, we're showcasing the arena. I think our fans like it. Um, we've got a couple extra things going on for our student athletes this year. Um, you know, the the you know, it'll be different next year. Our bracket will be different. It'll be kind of fun and interesting to see what our administrators and presidents decide to do with that. Um, but we're really excited about being back. We've got our Hall of Honor back. Um, that's that we haven't done that since 20, since before the pandemic. So it's great to be able to showcase the um, experiences and and amazing accomplishments of representatives of each of our 10 institutions. We have our first all-female class in that. Wow. Uh, it was not at all mandated by the mm. conference that females be, fit, be um, selected this year. Um, but in light of the 50th anniversary of Title IX, it's a tremendous cool. statement for our conference and the fantastic female student-athletes that have mm. come through our doors. And, and we call a lot of those women's sports at BYU and in the league, and it's a great league for that. Uh, there's some tremendous athletes, some tremendous teams that come out of so the So many the legacies. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I, I think it, it really is astonishing to some way to look at, you know, a non-Power 5 conference like us um, with the amazing record we have of success at the NCAA level with so many of our sports. We're not, you know, obviously basketball is a huge focus for the WCC, but when you look at our ability to win national championships in women's soccer, in men's golf, in cross country, um, it's a phenomenal record for us, and we're very, very proud of it. Hey, women's volleyball uh, with BYU in sure. San Diego San in the Diego past the final, got to the final four. Yep. Awesome just, it's been incredible exactly. to watch. It's really exciting. Well, we appreciate the upgraded seat. It was very kind <laughs> yeah, of nice. you this is great. to grant this is us awesome. this set for our halftime and bridge shows and certainly to do some BYU Sports Nations. But you mentioned that there are some other different nuances. Um, what are the specifics of that? What's going to make this 2023 tournament different than years previous? Well, again, I think we're, we're going to be much more closer to capacity than we have now that COVID has fallen back. So I think we're going to have that amazing WCC energy in this building. And I'm really excited to have that back for our student athletes. Um, I think that, you know, we've, we've upgraded where we've got a tribute now to Bill Russell, which is part of our legacy and part of our commitment to social justice. Um, we're doing a little bit, I'm not going to give any real secrets away, but we're doing a couple <laughs> extra things to enhance the student athletes experiences when they get here. Um, and we're just excited to build on what is a good event and continuing to keep mm. it as a premier division one basketball tournament. Uh, Gloria Navarez uh, took the Mountain West Conference Commissioner job, so certainly your life has gotten busier. Um, what's it been like to sort of interact with the NCAA basketball tournament committees to lobby for your teams as many as possible? On the women's side, certainly feels like a one-bid league if Gonzaga's the champ. Portland, good season. Mm-hmm. Probably need to do some damage here. Mm-hmm. On the men's side, probably a two-bid league at this point, obviously, mm-hmm. with St. Mary's tremendous season and, yep. of course, the Zags. Yep. We spent a lot of time um, with our senior staff and our external team working with the NCA men's and women's basketball tournament committees to um, make sure that the accomplishments of our teams are very well known. I think, you know, and, you know, I think we, we go out of our way to make sure we kind of understand why, on the women's side, Gonzaga's been the target. It's our job to make sure they understand say if a Portland or someone else mm-hmm. um, should win this weekend, um, understand more about that team so that they're seated appropriately. Mm-hmm. You can't you can't just all yes. of a sudden drop a name into a hat and have them say, Oh gosh, we didn't haven't really talked about, you know, Pepperdine that much. But we really try to make sure they have a, a broad understanding um, 
to a you know, pretty good depth of our league so that we can, again, make sure our teams are positioned with the best possible seed if they get in the tournament. And men's uh, Santa Clara and LMU are certainly mm. interesting. Um, Santa Clara's been a big surprise. Pajemski was unbelievable this yep. year. What, amazing, what an amazing add to that team. Yep. Yeah. Interim West Coast Conference Commissioner Connie Hurlbut is with us on BYU Sports Nation. We're live from the Orleans Arena. I know you probably can't answer the question, but I have to ask it because of obvious the departure of BYU and with the growing popularity or uh, the growing status of the WCC, mm-hmm. there are a lot of schools that are knocking on your door. Mm-hmm. Um, so what are the expansion talks like for the West Coast Conference upon the departure of BYU next year? Um, so far, the the this is a presidential issue for the conference. This is where this is decided and determined. Um, and the last time there was significant conversation, the, t- the decision was at that point to remain a nine-team conference at this time. And, uh, you know, I, I can't speak for the entire organization. My boss is right there. I'll get in trouble. But I will. Um, <laughs> it's been an amazing fit the last uh, 12 years for BYU. And hopefully it's felt the same from the league, and, and, and I think we felt that. But it's been awesome, and we still have games to play, mm-hmm. certainly in baseball and softball and mm-hmm. basketball. But um, it, it's sort of emotional to come back here and feel like, oh, this is it. This is the last time. Yeah. We've been here for a dozen years. Yep. And it's fit, uh, obviously, in terms of private Christian institution, West Coast. It's just been awesome. Um, yeah. How has kind of the league um, dealt in this last year with like, hey, let's let's make sure we have a great year with BYU in the league. I appreciate you saying that because I, I, I think it it's been a very strong two-way street from the, the institutions of the conference, the conference perspectives in BYU, tremendous partners, tremendous ad, um, and it's been it's been wonderful. I think you know there's been it, the the I can't say enough. I mean, again, they, they're so they're just so easy to work with, and they're wonderful, and we will miss them because I think they do bring something special to our league, um, both again because of the institutional fit, and also obviously some of the some of the successes they've had in so many sports that kind of make us stronger. Um, you know, I wish everybody the best on the way, and it's certainly an understandable decision and. Um, my son's a TCU grad, so I'm not sure how much I'll be rooting on the Cougs, but I'll do what I can when I can. And it's funny because there's certain places where we've learned, hey, it's hard to win. We may not want to schedule that game. In Moraga? I don't want to be ready to play in Moraga. It's hard <laughs> yeah. to win in Moraga. You know what I mean? Sure. But if a neutral site St. Mary's came up again at some point, yeah, yeah. that sounds I, 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 I think fun. Those, I think those yeah. relationships are grounded. As you mm-hmm. said, you can't, you can't interact with those institutions and those teams for that long and not have a sense of whether you want those relationships to continue. Yeah. And, and you've got to play the hard games on the road. You got you got to do that. And frankly, yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And frankly, there are certain sports where we we actually miss the WCC more than going to the Big Twelve. Like women's soccer, women's soccer is amazing. Yes. like the Big Twelve is good. It's not as good as no, the right, WCC. Right. There's certain sports like that. Yeah, yeah, our institutions have committed to a lot to national prominence in a wide range of sports, and I think that's what one of the things that makes the WCC so special. So I, I joked with Gloria Navarez a, a number of years. Again, she has now moved on to the Mountain West. We wish her the best. But she would always say, Spencer, once the games tip off on Thursday, I can just have this collect like this big sigh of like, okay, we're here. The game, the games are we going. got to the game. Yeah. Do you feel the same way? Not like, till Tuesday night. Not until Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> not until Tuesday night. There's something good about being here, but I don't get that deep breath till Tuesday night. What's your favorite part about this whole 
experience? I think the energy in the building. You know, I think, you know, when, when we when our even just yesterday for practice, you know, when we had our eight teams in for their practices, the teams that are competing today, um, there's just a, a strong energy and there's a, you know, it's just, it's exciting. And I think, again, we go into this tournament with some real big questions about who's going to walk out with a trophy on, on Tuesday. And that makes it more exciting. It's never guaranteed, and no. that's what makes it beautiful. You kind of walk in thinking the Zags win it, you know, just, but you yeah. never know. Never, never guaranteed. Know. Yep. Uh, well, you've done a fantastic job in a very unique scenario, and we appreciate you spending some time with us and giving us some great insight. Thanks so much. Again, it's great Thanks, to have Kevin. you here, and we're really excited about this, your upgrade. Hey, thank let's you. go. Upgraded seats. Yes, Upgraded seats at yes. no cost, right? The best of BYU Sports Nation will be back after this on BYU Radio. This is the best of BYU Sports Nation on BYU Radio. Good Whip Round is presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. New York Jets GM Joe Douglas was quoted at the NFL Combine Media Day saying, quote, we still feel like there is a very high ceiling with Zach, obviously speaking of Zach Wilson, we still feel strongly that Zach is going to be able to hit his ceiling, end quote. What is Zach's ceiling this year in New York, in your opinion? In New York is an interesting question. Uh, become a starter and keep the job is, is in New York almost feels like it'd be great, let alone like, oh, real success and go to the playoffs and, you know, whatever stats. I wonder if this is the team that Zach can have success with. I've been saying since the draft, I was afraid of the Jets. New OC Nathaniel Hackett, though, is in. Maybe they find something there with this Wilson instead of Russell Wilson. <laughs> Hopefully. We're all rooting for Zach, of course. I'm just afraid of the Jets, historically yeah. not developing quarterbacks. Yeah, because the ceiling is, hopefully, like you said, being being the starter. Because right now you have all of the talk about Aaron Rodgers and you know the fact that Derek Carr is going to be meeting with them and Jimmy Garoppolo. And They're clearly interested in a veteran. Guys like obviously. that are in there. So the ceiling right now... Get this, get the opportunity to be the starter, and then see what happens. Hmm. Okay, uh, the Big 12 announces its entertainment and fan experience for the conference basketball championships. Include performances by Fat Joe, uh, DJ Diesel, aka Shaq, and more. Are you looking forward to the All Star Game feel of the conference championships next year? Um, it's a really cool idea, and and I I will be all in as long as it doesn't have the on the court all star feel where literally <laughs> no people defense. were moving out of the way so that people could have a running start to dunk. That's 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 the only thing about the All Star Game that I hope doesn't happen. Everything else sounds amazing. Yeah, I'm not sure how you fix it. Um, no, that's gonna be cool. Jordan Sparks singing the national anthem. Uh, Brett Yormark has experience in the entertainment industry. Yes. He wants this to be a big deal outside of just the games, which is going to be awesome. And let's be honest, just the games are going to be a big friggin' deal too because you have the best basketball league in America. So it's gonna be super fun. And it was awesome that they, they're actually gonna showcase food from every team around the league as well. So I'm interested in knowing like what BYU food would be featured there. I'm not exactly sure. Cougar tails, no, not a dessert, like a meal. Like a meal. A meal. I'm thinking. Is it Bam Bam's barbecue or something? I'm, They're I'm, like, you have barbecue in Utah? We're in Kansas City. I'm thinking, I'm thinking, look. What are you thinking? Roast mashed potatoes, okay. some rolls. That's we like got a typical a, Sunday. We got a what? Mississippi roast. Yeah. <laughs> Green jello is going to oh, certainly would be, would be brought up with carrots maybe in it, some cheese. <sighs> okay. 
Yeah. That's, is that really how we want to roll out the Big 12 showcasing that? <laughs> All right, Rudy Williams was asked during a break of uh, BYU basketball with Mark Pope to do the gritty, which, yep. by the way, he did. Mm-hmm. But who did it better? Was it Rudy, as we're watching right now, or one Spencer Linton? Yes. Well, let's let's, let's, see, let's, see, let's Spencer's. see Spencer and compare here. I like Spencer's more. There's a lot of hop in there. I remember action, this right? morning because he was yeah. trying to get me to do it as well, and yeah. I'm like, no. No, well, he'd probably put in hours of practice. Um, he no. did. He watched a YouTube video yeah. before he told me. Of course, of course. Uh, I like Spence more. I, I don't think Rudy tried that hard, Yeah. to be fair. Uh, but, yeah, I like Spence there. I, I, I agree. I think it was Spencer. Yeah. Yeah. In a Pirates-Orioles spring training game, <laughs> the Pirates were the home team. We're ahead after the top of the ninth, thus ending the game. But both teams had agreed to play a full nine. So one more half. We're getting our money's worth. However, the umpires were not in on the deal and left, leaving the teams to call their own balls and strikes and outs for the final inning. Was that a good idea? Look, it's how everybody else plays sports. Just call your own fouls. Call your balls and strikes. Church ball Saturday. What's what's, what's wrong? Let's be honest. They were probably more accurate calls when they left. (laughs) (laughs) Where's the where's the computer? Yeah, the the, the computer generated the automated balls and strikes when you need it. I have no problem with this. I have no problem with this. They're like, listen, one thing. I'm gonna be taking my time in this box. Oh yeah. All sped up. Yeah. Is it too fast for you right now? No, I love it. What's going on? Love it. I think it's just a tad sped up. Like like by. Three or four seconds. No, see, honestly, because we're, you love this, it. This is in college. This is in college baseball too, with the twenty-second pitch clock. So, so all the games that I called, the eight games that I called in Louisiana with BYU baseball, it had a great rhythm to it in terms of the, the pitcher gets the ball yeah. within twenty seconds. He's pitching well, it. You're not paid per hour, so you don't care. Well, well if you're paid I, per I, hour, you want the longer I game. loved the flow of the games. Yeah. Now I know the, the the hitters are the ones that right now like they don't feel like they're in a, in a rhythm well, because I gotta they're going go my gloves and I got. But in, but in terms of pace of play. I have loved it. That wraps up the best of BYU Sports Nation this week. Tune in next Saturday for the Cougar news you need to hear. And catch the BYU Sports Nation simulcast every day at noon Eastern, 9 Pacific, on BYU TV and BYU Radio.